Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. Our sermon for this Sunday, November 27th, 2022, is entitled Choosing People. This sermon kicks off our year-long project, Year W, a year listening to voices of women, girls, and the divine feminine in the Bible. Inspired by the work of Professor Will Gaffney and her A Women's Lectionary for the Whole Church. This sermon is a reflection on readings from the book of Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, and Genesis 16, verses 7 through 13, in translations prepared by Dr. Gaffney. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Before we turn to scripture, a bit of word of explanation, or in fact, setting up not just the season of Advent, but setting up the next 12 months of scriptures and sermons. This fall, after some significant conversation, our board of deacons has chosen to follow what is called year W. As we put it, it is a year spent with scriptures, listening for the voices of women and girls and the divine feminine in scripture. This is a project that has been trailblazed for us by the Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney. Reverend Dr. Gaffney is an African-American woman, an Episcopal priest and a local church pastor. She currently serves in an endowed chair for Hebrew Bible at Bright Divinity School in Fort Worth, Texas, a fine divinity school out of the Disciples of Christ tradition. And she has put together what she calls a women's lectionary for the whole church. She has provided a one-year cycle of readings called Year W. That's what this book is here. She is also working on completing a three-year cycle of readings to match the three-year cycle of readings from the Revised Common Lectionary that usually guides our reading of scripture and my preaching over the course of the year. She does this, she says, in order to ask us to consider what it looks like to tell the good news through the stories of women who are often on the margins of scripture and often set up to represent bad news in the Bible. This is a tool for us to work with these questions. She has gone through with her great knowledge of the scriptures themselves and of the original languages and translated them in ways that highlight, as I said, the stories of women and girls and the voice of the divine feminine, things that are already there in scripture, but which by habit and long tradition, the church has all too often ignored. Now, suffice it to say that this won't always be a pleasant exercise for us. 
so often the stories of women in the girl and girls in scripture are difficult stories. But even in the difficulty, as we turn to look for and listen for the voice of God, we hope to hear both new stories and familiar stories in new ways. We believe that alongside the challenges, there will be new joys, new joys of discovery, new challenges for me, certainly, because I, friends, I don't mind telling you, there are all sorts of resources put together for pastors that follow the revised common lectionary. Each week, I can pull one volume off my shelf and have all the readings laid out for me. But there are no such easy resources for these particular passages. And so we will work through them. We will explore them. We will journey through them together. The Board of Deacons and I believe this is an important journey and one well worth making, especially in our world today. And so we turn to scripture, reading first from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Let's listen for a living word from God in these translations of Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee, Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the name of the virgin was Mary. And the angel came to Mary and said, Rejoice, favored one. The most high God is with you. Now Mary was troubled by the angel's words and pondered just what sort of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the sovereign God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his sovereignty there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have not yet known a man intimately? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit, she will come upon you, and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the one born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now Elizabeth, your kinswoman, has even conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the woman's slave of God. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel left her. We read also from the book of Genesis, chapter 16, verses 7 through 13. Now the messenger of the all-seeing God found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And the messenger said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, from where have you come and where are you going? And she said, from my mistress Sarai am I fleeing. The messenger of the inscrutable God said to her, return to your mistress and subject yourself to her. 
the messenger of the wellspring of life, said to Hagar, greatly will I multiply your seed so they cannot be counted for multitude. Then the messenger of the fount of life said to her, look, you are pregnant and shall give birth to a son and you shall call him Ishmael, meaning God hears. For the faithful one has heard of your abuse. He shall be a wild ass of a man with his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, but he shall live in the sight of all his kin. So Hagar named the living God who spoke to her. You, O God, are El Roy. That is the God who is seen and who sees. For she said, have I really seen God and remained alive afterwards? Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. Friends, today we enter into the church season of Advent, often called a season of waiting and of preparation. Advent is a future-oriented season that asks us to scan the horizon. For the new thing God is doing in the world, signs of God's promised future of justice, peace, and compassion. Or at least that's the theological understanding of Advent. Practically speaking, functionally, Advent is really the run-up to Christmas. When we look backwards and remember what God has already done in the birth of Jesus more than 2,000 years ago. Making Advent and the Christmas towards which it points together much more a time of tradition than innovation. Of the past rather than the future. Bound up with our childhood memories and memories of our children's childhoods as well. So through the Sundays of Advent, we rehearse again the old, old story. As in our reading from the gospel according to Luke today, this reading that is traditionally called the Annunciation. When the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary to announce that she has been chosen by God Most High for a very particular purpose to bear a child by the Holy Spirit who will be the Son of God, the Messiah, God's anointed, who will rule God's chosen people forever and ever. It's a story, it's the story we share and sing every year at this time. And so familiar in its way, despite the strangeness all over the surface of it. How would you explain this story to someone who had never, ever heard it before? What with all the angels and ancient prophecies and miraculous births? But it's our strangeness, isn't it? This is our story. It is the story of the Annunciation to the Virgin of the Good News of the Savior's birth. And all those these the story, the Annunciation, they're strangely comforting for us. They set 
these particular set of stories and signs apart. They act as signposts for us, reminding us that we're on familiar ground, that we have been this way before, us and our forebears in faith, over and over, in fact, that we are a community shaped by these particular these. But what did we learn just a couple of weeks ago from prize-winning author from Nigeria, Chimamande Adichie, when we listened to her talk about the danger of the single story? That a single story creates stereotypes. And the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. That they make one story become the only story. And even this story, as beloved as it is in this context, this story about this enunciation to this young woman, this chosen one, this news of this birth, of this child of promise to these chosen people, this isn't the only story. It's not even the only story of God's saving love for the world, not even just in these scriptures. There is so much more. There were other stories of other annunciations, other chosen ones, other children of promise, other people with other experiences of the world and of God. All of them bound up together in this book, this library we call the Holy Bible. Case in pointed point, our story from Genesis today, put alongside our story from Luke, this other annunciation to this other young woman, Hagar, an Egyptian, a foreigner, held captive as a slave by Abram and Sarah, a.k.a. Abraham and Sarah, the great, 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 great ancestors of the people of Israel, of Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and ultimately, by adoption, us. Even just that much of her story, just setting the context of her story, already pushes us outside of our comfort zone. Yet God's enunciation to Hagar about God's promises for her and for her child, Ishmael, they're the first enunciation found in our scriptures and the first of many. We're on relatively unknown ground with Hagar. Yet we find that God is already active here in her story among people who are unfamiliar to us and situations that make us uncomfortable. Now, the words may sound familiar, similar to stories we know. Stories we know and tell about our ancestors, the ones we claim as our own, about Abraham and Sarah and Mary and Joseph. As to Abraham, greatly will I multiply your seed so they cannot be counted for a multitude. And like Mary, you shall give birth to a son, and you shall call him 
But in this context, God's promise to another woman and a woman of African descent and an enslaved woman of African descent at that, well, that should make us ask, why haven't we heard this story before? More properly, why don't we tell this story more often? Why has it been written out of the lectionary that guides our reading? How would telling this story alongside our more familiar story, what we think of as the story, how would that change how we think of ourselves in relationship to the story, in relationship to other people, and in relationship to God? How will it change? How would it change? How we hear the voice of God and the good news of God's gospel. These are precisely the questions we're going to be working with, living with, struggling with, and enjoying with biblical scholar, Reverend Dr. Will Gaffney over this year, this year W that we're embarking on today. As Dr. Gaffney puts the question at the heart of her the heart of her gift to us what does it look like to tell the gospel through the stories of women women like hagar and, and so many many others we have never heard of women who are often on the margins of the scriptures and all too often set up to represent not good news but bad news in the bible Because when we insist, even if just by force of habit, that there is just one story, the story, and not coincidentally, our story, all of those things we think of as familiar signposts turn all too easily into fences, fencing off ever smaller segments of God's promise, writing more and more people out of what becomes the dominant and dominating story of our church, our Bible, our churches, our faith, and our society. As Chimamanda Adichie warns us, the consequence of the single story is that it robs people of dignity. It makes our recognition of our equal humanity difficult. And it emphasizes how we are different rather than how we are similar. In other words, one story helps us center ourselves and helps us to other all the others beside. And when we do that, not only do we diminish them, we diminish ourselves as well. We diminish our understanding of the world. We diminish our neighbors, ourselves, our God. We diminish what we think is possible, who we think is possible in the world. And as the angel said to Mary, with God, all things are possible. Because gospel truth be told, there is not just one story. There is not just one story of God's saving love at work in the world and never has been. This is not a new invention. These other people with their other stories, they have always been there. They have always been there within the pages of our scriptures. There's never been just one story any more than 
there has ever been one way, one right way, one real way of being human in the world. We've just chosen as a church, capital C, not to read all those other people's stories. Yes, the children of Abraham and Sarah are God's chosen people. But, and here's the kicker. Here's what Hagar's story begins to show us. God chooses an awful lot of people. God is a God who chooses and chooses and chooses not to replace one with the other and all to and a variation on the story Christians tell about our siblings in the Jewish faith. But God chooses us and sets us alongside one another. God chooses us, but God also chooses the very sort of people we're socialized to believe are the very most unlikely. Yes, Mary is a privileged partner with God in bringing God's purposes to fruition in the world, but so is Hagar. In fact, Hagar in all of scripture is given the singular honor of naming God for herself. Nobody tells Hagar who God is, what God can do and cannot do. Hagar names God out of her own experience. You, oh God, are the God who sees me and my story, and I am the one who sees you. Yes, Jesus is God's child of promise, but so is Isaac, Abraham and Sarah's boy, and so is Hagar's own Ishmael. And for what it's worth, so are you. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to the church at Rome, Jesus was never meant to be the only child of God. Jesus' story was never meant to be the only story of God's saving love at work in the world, but rather Jesus was intended to be the firstborn among many siblings. Romans 8, 29, again, not a new invention. This Advent season, we enter again Into today, for the umpteenth time, this isn't just the story of Jesus. Yes, it's the story of Jesus, but it isn't just the story of Jesus. It isn't just the story of what God has done in the past. With all the familiar people and all the familiar props, all the shepherds and angels and magi and innkeepers and innkeepers' children and people shouting, oranges, fresh oranges, fresher oranges. It's a wider story of what God is up to today with us and among us and among the so-called least likely whose stories like Hagar, we don't know, we don't share, too often don't care, don't even wonder about. The people we think of as the supporting characters in our own stories or even God help us and help them, the villains of the piece. It's not about conforming what we already know and confirming that again, but about surprise. Advent is about surprise, just as God surprises the whole world by coming to us in a baby in a manger. 
born poor on the margins of the world's greatest empire among a marginalized people made flesh through a young woman's discounted female body in the world. It's not an invitation to journey back in time to a familiar, comfortable past back when Christmas was great or when this congregation was great. Rather, Advent is an invitation to journey forward together. Toward what will feel to most of us in this room much less familiar, much more an uncomfortable future among people and stories we know far less well, if at all. Women and girls, people of color, poor people, queer people, people with disabilities, refugees and immigrants, and those stories we don't even tell about the parts of ourselves we'd like to keep off the page as well. We say that Advent is about hope. We lit the first candle, naming it a candle of hope. So it's important for us to ask, what is it we're hoping for? Do we want more of the same old story? Trust me, I get it. Comfort food tastes awfully, awfully good. But where has it gotten us? Or do we dare to hope for a different story, a bigger story, more and better stories of a bigger and better promise from a bigger and better God for a bigger and better world brimming over with justice and peace and compassion, and not just for us and people like us, but for all of God's people, all whom God has made, all of those siblings that we have in this place and around the world, even all of creation. Good news, as the carol says, for rocks and trees and fields and floods for the whole earth. What's that common half-joking definition of insanity? that gets passed around so often. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? This year, do we dare? Do we dare with Dr. Gaffney's help, with help of all of these other women and girls and even the divine feminine in scripture and with help of neighbors we know and do not know in the world around us, Do we dare to do things differently? To read differently, to listen differently, to trust differently, to dream differently, to sing differently, to pray differently in hopes that this time, this time, oh God, things will turn out better. That's my prayer for this Advent. As you begin setting up all the signs of this season in your homes and in your life, I'd ask you to hold a special place for that question in your own heart. What do you hope for in this Advent season? So friends, if you've heard the word of God preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God 
Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.